0: invite you to take your copy of God's Word and find First Timothy chapter 5. This morning, First Timothy chapter 5 verses 17, 18, and 19 as we think about straight talk about caring for our pastor. In eight days, I will no longer be your pastor. For many of you, I'm the only pastor you've ever known. If you're 42 or younger is me, but in eight days, Brian Payne will become the sixth pastor of Lakeview Baptist Church, and tonight we have a very special worship service of installation to install Brian as our pastor. And uh, I want to appeal to you, even if you don't normally worship the Lord on Sunday evening, be here tonight. This will be an hour you will not want to miss. And we ought to fill this room tonight as we install Brian as our pastor. I said our, not your, because Kim and I are not going anywhere. And Brian will be my pastor as well as your pastor. And I've not had a pastor for almost 51 years. And so it's gonna be different for Kim and for me. I'll be sitting in the pew and uh, listening to our pastor and uh, be different for Kim. She's been a pastor's wife from the day we got married 49 years ago. That's all she's known as Al Jackson, as her pastor. So pray for us. We're going to keep a low profile for several months. That's not for lack of affection and love for this church, it's just wise for me to take a low profile. And uh, I have a number of preaching engagements already scheduled for November, December, January, and February. I appreciate your prayers on that, but if I don't have a Sunday to preach somewhere, I'm probably going to hear one of our preacher boys somewhere within driving distance. But you can count on me if I'm in town on Wednesday night, we will be at prayer meeting. Amen. But on Sunday, we're going to be hard to find. But we look forward to the time when we come back and we're here full time once again. It's time for some straight talk about how to care for our pastor. Pastoral ministry is not easy. Life is not easy. Life is difficult and any vocation that a person would pursue would be difficult. But I want to suggest this morning that uh, to be a pastor is uh, doubly difficult because a pastor is so visible uh, as God's man in a given community and uh, he incurs more assault from the enemy than anyone else. Uh, Peter Drucker, very famous uh, management guru from the 20th century said, the three hardest jobs in the United States of America are number one, the chief administrator of a large hospital. Number two, the president of a large university and number three, the senior pastor of a large multi-staff church. Don Payne, no relation to Brian, uh, directed and may still direct the Suburban and Rural Training Center at the Denver Seminary. He told about a man in an established career who felt at midlife that God had called him to pastoral ministry. So he left his first career, he enrolled in seminary, graduated, took a church, and began to experience the extraordinary stress that the pastor of a New Testament church undergoes. Well, he thought, you know, I I can make this happen. But after a while, he gave up and returned to his previous less stressful job as an air traffic controller. (laughs) Now, from the pew, it looks easy. We just show up on Sunday, give a talk, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and fish and play golf the rest of the week. There may be a few pastors that do that, but that's not true of this pastor, and it's not true of our next pastor. So let's think about some straight talk from this pastor about how to care for our incoming Pastor Brian Payne. Our text today is just three verses of Scripture. It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Timothy was a pastor, a young pastor down in the city of Ephesus. There are other pastors there working with him. And Paul, the apostle, takes his inspired pen in hand and pens this letter that we know as a pastoral epistle, along with 2 Timothy and with Titus, the three pastoral epistles. And in chapter five, verses 17, 18, and 19, we read these words, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain and the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. Here in this passage, the Apostle Paul gives us three ways that we can care for Pastor Brian Payne. And as members of Lakeview Baptist Church, you and I want to give our full attention to this because when... A pastor flourishes, the church flourishes, and we want, we need, we desire a strong, healthy church in all the years to come until Jesus returns. So the first of these ways found in verse 17, how we can care for our pastor is this, we are to honor our pastor. Our pastor deserves our honor. Look in verse 17 again. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Now when you see that word elder there, think pastor. We read elsewhere, for instance, in Acts chapter 20 and in 1 Peter chapter 5, that uh, the words elder and overseer and pastor are all descriptive of the same office in the church, what we would call the office of pastor. So the pastors who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. A pastor is a servant leader. It has been entrusted to our pastor to lead us as the people of God. Now you've heard me say on numerous occasions that I believe the church government or the church polity that is spelled out in Holy Scripture is simply this, pastor-led, deacon-guarded, congregation-affirmed, all under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus is enthroned as Lord over the church, that, that method of working together is smooth and harmonious. Now, how are we to honor our pastor and his leadership as he directs the affairs of the church? Notice it is given to the pastor to direct the affairs of the church. We want to come back in a moment to 1 Timothy chapter 5, but I want you to find 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. And... uh, They're this remarkable statement from the inspired pen of the Apostle Paul as he writes the church in Corinth. And there were so many issues in the church in Corinth, so much uh, turmoil and and misunderstanding and uh, division and false teaching that he had to address in this letter. And he appeals to them in in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians verse one where Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Uh, Paul as an apostle is appealing to uh, the Corinthians to follow him, to follow him as a leader. But notice it is conditional upon following Christ. Now, when I became your pastor 42 plus years ago, I said to you at that time, based on this passage right here, uh, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. As long as I'm following Jesus, follow. But if I'm not following Jesus, fire me. So either follow, if the pastor is worthy of following because he's walking lockstep with Jesus, or not, fire him. And so the same thing is true today. We follow our pastor because our pastor is following Christ. Now let me give you one more supportive uh, text and then we'll come back to 1 Timothy chapter 15. Uh, Find uh, Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 and uh, there's a a passage that's very similar to what we saw there in in, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. There the writer of Hebrews says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, this is not a call for some kind of autocratic uh, dictatorship. Not at all. This is a call to, 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 to follow God-given, Spirit-filled, Spirit-anointed pastors. Pastors. Look at it again, verse 17, obey your leaders. Well, in a general sense, that would be all of our pastors and our deacons who are our leading servants. But in particular, it's gonna be the pastor who stands in the pulpit Sunday by Sunday to open the scriptures to us. And we're called to obey and to submit to their authority. God has given the man of God, the man who occupies the pulpit, the man who takes the scriptures and opens them to the congregation week by week by week, an authority that he's not given to other people. And we are to submit to that God-given authority. Why? Because we're told in the second sentence in verse 17, they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Uh, the pastor has this, this oversight, this, this ministry of watching out for the spiritual welfare of the congregation. And it is, it is an awesome responsibility. It is a weighty burden. And only those who have shared in that ministry know what I'm talking about. Pastor Brian knows because he's been a pastor now for over a decade. He knows what I'm talking about. And any man who served as pastor of the church knows, knows that, that that burden, that burden of the Lord, that concern for the spiritual welfare of the sheep that's been entrusted to him as the shepherd of that flock. Now his authority is under the authority of the chief shepherd, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as the pastor submits to the chief shepherd, then the sheep are to submit to the under shepherd, the pastor of that flock because we must give an account look at it again this second sentence in Hebrews 13 17 men who must give an account someday pastor Brian will stand before the bema seat of Jesus and give an account for his shepherding of this flock now that is a solemn accountability that every pastor faces now let's look on Let's read on there. Third sentence, obey them. There's that word obey a second time in this 17th verse. Obey them, why? Well, so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. When, when God's people follow the leadership of their pastor, then his work becomes a joy and not a burden. Now, he's never going to come to the place where there's no burden at all, but you want as little burden as you can, as much joy as you can, because an unhappy pastor means an unhappy congregation, but a joy-filled pastor is a joy-filled congregation. It is to your advantage to obey and follow and submit to the leadership of your new pastor. That's how you care for him, and that will be to your advantage as well as to is advantage. Now let's go back to our text, Paul's Paul's letter to Timothy, first Timothy chapter five, verse seventeen. Let's look at that verse again. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially in case you're not you're not sure about. It. is this just talking about the, the preaching pastor or not it is It's right here in verse seventeen, especially those whose work, is preaching and teaching. So a pastor is to receive great honor for the work of preaching and teaching. And Paul put it this way, double honor. John MacArthur said, quote, the idea is that double honor is not a gift, but something that they, that is the pastors deserve. And especially the one whose work is teaching and preaching. Now, there is a difference between the two. Uh, when we think of preaching, we think of primarily of exhortation. When we think of teaching, we think of instruction. Uh, when I think of preaching, I think of explanation with a focus on application. When I think of teaching, I think of explanation with a focus on instruction. Now, there's a great deal of overlap. and. Uh, Those of you who are longtime members, you know that all of my sermons without exception come directly from the Word of God. That's been true of the sermons that Pastor Brian has preached here since he came, and he and his family moved here back in June. And so there's an overlap, but there is a distinction between preaching and teaching. You're gonna have a heavier focus on explanation of the text and teaching with some application and less focus on explanation of the text and preaching with a stronger focus on the application of the text. But teaching and preaching go together like a hand in glove. Now, I have certain axioms that I teach young preachers, and my first axiom of preaching is this, the text determines the sermon. What we we proclaim is what's found in the text. And that's, that's the first axiom of preaching. The second one is this, preaching is hard work. And Sunday comes every seven days. Now, if you get your sermons off the uh, internet, it's not hard work, you can spend an hour on Saturday night and be good to go. But if you're a true preacher, you don't, you don't get your sermons off the internet, you get them right out of the word of God and you, you, you spend hours, endless hours Starting early in the week, working in the text, diagramming the text, asking questions of the text, reading the commentaries, reading what other people have said about the text. So that when you come to stand in the pulpit, you have a word from God. We honor our pastor by supporting his ministry of God's Word. The pastor's greatest influence in the congregation, is not one-on-one counseling, that's important. All pastors do it. The pastor's greatest influence on the congregation is not some small men's group that he leads or some discipleship group that he has. We do that as well. But his single greatest opportunity to influence the congregation To love God, to trust Jesus, and to walk in holiness and godliness is what takes place when the pastor takes the Word of God on Sunday morning and opens the Scriptures and reads it and says, Thus saith the Lord, expounds the Scripture. And so if that's the case, then it's important that we give hearing to the ministry of the Word. Now, you may think that I or Brian just sort of show up on Sunday morning, open the Bible and just start talking off the top of our head, but we don't. We've been working in the texts because preaching is hard work. And what you hear on Sunday is the fruit. For me, it starts on Tuesday morning. The fruit of a, of a week of laboring in the word, joyful labor, I might say. Many hours of preparation. Therefore, if you want to care well for your new pastor, you want to give him your undivided attention when he stands before you on Sunday to open the scriptures. Now, let me just drive down a little bit deeper here. If your smartphone, distracts you from listening to the sermon preached by your pastor, keep that phone at home. You say, I just got to check the news. I got to check the ball scores. You, you can't go 60 minutes without finding out what's happening in the world of sports. If you want to honor your pastor, as the scripture says, give him your undivided. You say, well, I have my Bible on my phone may I suggest that you bring a book Bible when you come just, you know, just to minimize the temptations. I'm amazed at how many people are addicted to their phones. It beeps and they grab it. It beeps and they grab it. It beeps and they, how can God speak to you when you're always being distracted by your your phone? The pastor who stands in the pulpit deserves better than that. Furthermore, you need to come with a teachable spirit. Come with an open mind, an open heart and say, Lord, speak to me today through my pastor. He studied, he's prayed. Speak to me through my pastor. Now, when the message is over, everybody can't go and speak to the pastor and say, thank you for the message. I understand that. Too many of us. But when you do speak to the pastor, just express your gratitude. Don't tell him what he could have said that he didn't say. How many times have Lakeview members come up to me and said, you know, pastor, you could have said this and this and this about the text, but you didn't. Well, you know, I spent about 20 hours in that text last week. I I could have spent about 20 hours talking about that text. I left most of my work on on the study desk. It's not that I didn't know that. That hurts, I'll tell you. It really hurts. When what you'd like for somebody to say is, Pastor, thank you, you fed us today. You fed us from God's Word. How would you feel if your wife fed you a Sunday dinner of roast beef and potatoes Rice and gravy, squash, corn on the cob, and salad, rolls. You'd feel like you'd died and gone to heaven, wouldn't you? You didn't marry that woman. <laughs> Dessert, pecan pie. And when the meal's over, and instead of saying thank you for this wonderful meal, you said, well, why didn't you serve me some squash today? Probably wouldn't sit too well with your wife. When Pastor Brian preaches, don't tell him what he could have said that he didn't say. Thank him for what he said and give thanks to God for a man who loves God. Just say thanks. We honor our pastor when we follow his leadership and we express gratitude for his study in the Word and proclaiming it to us. I have a file folder of people who write me kind notes. I'll pull it out and read it sometimes. I'm not gonna identify this person. I don't wanna embarrass her, but just a part of a a note. I don't tell you often enough how much I appreciate you being my pastor. The favorite part of every service for me is when you say, open your Bibles and turn to. I know I'll hear the word of God, not watered down or meant to tickle anyone's ears. Pastors need encouragement too. Encourage your pastor, honor your pastor, honor his ministry of the word. This is the primary way he will shepherd you in the years and decades to come. It's some straight talk about how to care for your pastor. Number two, verse 18, we care for our pastor. If we are to care for our pastor, we are to provide financial support for our pastor. Verse 18, For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain and the worker deserves his wages. Well, here the Apostle Paul takes an Old Testament text from Deuteronomy 25 verse 4, Do not muzzle the ox, which is God's instruction that the animals that work there with the the Hebrew people were to be taken care of. If the ox is used to plow and help feed you, then you are to feed the ox. And he combines it with a quote from Luke chapter 10, verse seven, which is actually, the saying of the Lord Jesus Christ, the worker deserves his wages. So what he's saying here is, if you feed your animals and you pay your workers, the worker deserves his wages, do not muzzle the ox. Therefore, take care of your pastor, treat him well. If he feeds you spiritual food, then you are to pay him so that he can be fed physical food. Now, I have never felt under, underpaid, ever. Whatever you've given me is always, I felt like more than I deserve. And I'm grateful for that. Thank you so much. In recent years, I, I sit at my desk, my study desk, And I I think to myself, my Lakeview family is paying me good money to read the Bible. How good is this? I must have the best job in Lee County. Thank you. Thank you. And I look forward and have across these years sharing with you on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings the fruit of my labor in God's word we are to provide financial support for our pastor. Your personnel committee and your finance committee and now your deacons have been active in recent months to do better at that. But I'm so blessed in so many ways beyond that. Not just the paycheck that I get twice a month from you Two years ago, Kim and I were coming down Interstate 81 through Virginia. We'd been in New York City. And I said, get out a pad and let's just write down all the different ways that people have given us grace gifts above and beyond a generous salary that you paid me. And for several hours, we just remembered and we wrote and wrote, and wrote, and wrote. It was one of those serendipity moments. Now, I'm not gonna identify any of those ways. It wouldn't be appropriate, but they were multitudinous. Thank you. Do that for Pastor Brian. Do that for all of our associate pastors who are equally deserving of your support. The Scripture says, look at it again, verse 18, for the Scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain and the worker deserves his wages. So we care for our pastor by providing financial support. We care for our pastor by honoring our pastor, especially in his work of teaching and preaching. And then finally in verse Nineteen. We care for our pastors if we are, when we protect our pastor from frivolous accusations. We care for our pastors. We are to protect our pastors from frivolous accusations. Verse 19, Do not entertain an accusation against an elder, that is against a pastor, unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. Now, sometimes there are accusations that are not unfounded, that are not unfair, but are true and they have to be addressed. But you always need two or three witnesses in order to do that, not just one. You know what I'm talking about there? There it is, do not entertain an accusation against an elder or pastor. Pastors live with a world of criticism. I found that out even before I became a pastor when I was a youth pastor. And my pastor at that time, at First Baptist Church Selma, he had my back. I made some rookie mistakes and he had my back. Thank God for him. John Calvin, almost 500 years ago, said, and I quote, none are more exposed to slanders and insults than godly teachers. True then, true today. John Stott, himself a pastor for many decades in London, said, and I quote, a smear campaign can completely ruin a leader's ministry. So Paul's first word to Timothy is that he must never listen to gossip about leaders or even to a serious accusation if it is made by only one person every charge must be endorsed by several responsible people before it is even listened to. Did you hear that? It must be endorsed by several responsible people before it's even listened to. Adherence to this biblical principle would have silenced many a malicious talebearer and saved many pastors from unjust criticism, and unnecessary suffering. Now, pastors are not above being criticized. Pastors make mistakes. But a godly way to deal with that is to go talk to the pastor face-to-face, not get on, on social media or on the phone or face-to-face with somebody else who's sympathetic to your position, but go to your pastor and say, Pastor, what about this? Explain this. I tell young pastors you're going to have three traveling companions in your pastoral ministry fatigue, that is, if you're working hard, disappointment, you'll be disappointed many times, and criticism. Richard Havelson was a Presbyterian pastor who later became the chaplain of the United States Senate. And uh, this is what uh, Chaplain Havelson said in one of his weekly letters he used to mail out about criticism. It is easy to know what to do when you don't have to do it. It is easy to make decisions when the responsibility to decide is not yours. One of the interesting and aggravating phenomena of our time is the very vocal critic who always has the answers. He always knows the way to go and never has to go himself. He always knows what to do and never has to do it. These are the experts who pontificate on every conceivable issue Free from the responsibility of following through on their decisions, they tell those who do have the responsibility what to do. What a difference between the bleacher, the spectator and the bleachers, who criticizes the way the game goes and the player on the field who must play the game, suffer the frustration and heal from the injuries. Armchair quarterbacks never make any mistakes. This does not mean that dissent is wrong, of course. Dissent is the stuff of which democracy is made. But the spirit of the dissenter is the critical issue. Let the spirit of the critic be sensitive to the burden of decision borne by the one being criticized. Paul is saying here in verse 19, trust your pastor. He has... Information that you don't have. He has privileged, confidential information which he could never, ever share. And if you knew what he knew, you would be less likely to criticize his decision, but he's making the best decision he knows how to make based on information that he has that you don't have and you'll never have because he'd betray a confidence. In other words, give him the benefit Of the doubt. So there we have it. Three ways, this is not an exhaustive list, this is just three ways that are found here in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17, 18, and 19. Three ways to care for our pastor, Brian Payne. We honor him, we provide financial support for him, and we protect him from frivolous accusations. If you'll do those things, if we'll do those things, but let me put myself in that. If, if we will do those things, and I pledge to you, I will do those things, then Brian Payne's joy, ministry will be a joy more than it is a burden. Now, God in his grace has given us a man of God to shepherd us into the future and tonight we're going to have a special service of installation for Pastor Brian again I plead with you please be here for this very special time he is an under shepherd under the chief shepherd and the chief shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ and the chief shepherd said I lay down my life for the sheep I lay it down that I might take it up again It is a reference to his impending death on Calvary's cross and his resurrection on the third day. Now, everything we do as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is focused on, centered on what took place outside the city gates of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago when the dear Lamb of God died was nailed to a cruel Roman cross and suffered and bled and died, buried in his own body on the cross, the righteous and just punishment of a holy God against sin, against our sin, that all who will trust in him can be forgiven of their sins and put their faith, if they put their faith and trust in him. And so the question that comes down to all of us is, has there come a time Each of our lives, when we've turned away from our sins and put our trust in what Jesus did on Calvary's cross for our eternal salvation. I'm aware that in an assembly of this many people, there's some people that have never yet trusted Jesus as their Savior. Most of you have, but some of you have not. But you can be saved today if you'll come to Jesus. Scripture says as many as received him, to them gives he the power. He gives supernatural power, regenerating power to become the, the children of God. If Christ is not your Savior, you're not a child of God. We are the sons and daughters of God by virtue of new birth, faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. But if you've not trusted Jesus, you can do that today. Our pastor is going to be at the front. Our musicians are coming to lead us in our song of decision and commitment. If you wanna know Christ, we welcome you, we invite you, we exhort you, come. Come to Jesus, and know the forgiveness of your sins, and the joy of being a child of God. We stand and sing, come while we sing. Thanks for worshiping with us today.